fam, welcome to All Nations Baton Rouge Podcast, where we exist to help you find family, discover purpose, and change the world. Here's this week's message. I hope it is a blessing to you and your family. Here we go. 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 share a couple of things before I dive in Uh, as the uh, wonderful sister was sharing with us about you can be the center as I was standing there there were thoughts that rolled through my spirit first there can only be one center only one thing can be at the center everything else orients itself based on the center. Everything orients itself at the center. And the great struggle that we face in life is what will be our center. What's at the center of your life? What is it that everything else orients itself around? We'll we'll, we'll come back to that in a moment. I am so thankful to Pastor Roe and Pastor Christian for this opportunity. I am thankful for the teaching this month around relationships. One of the things that I want to share with you, my sisters and my brothers, is that a key to your witness as a person who is in Christ is in how you manage relationships. It is very difficult to say that you represent a savior who gave his life for people, but you have no time for them. For a savior who would love you and give of himself to you in so many ways, uh, but we don't care for the relationships that are around us. And so I want to share with you for just a few moments today from the thought, if I only knew then, a retrospective on relationships. You know, one of the ways that you know that you are aging is when people start asking you about things that happened back then. And one of my joys of my conversations with Pastor Rowe is when he starts asking me about stuff that was back then. And as we talked about relationships and we were talking about this series and I must acknowledge that he prompted within me, he said, so if you were to think about your years of life, your 64 years of life at this point, what were some things that you wish that you knew then that you know now? And so I want, to, I want to talk to you for a few minutes, but before I dive into that, I want to say uh, three things to you in general. In general. First of all, restore 
the oral traditions. And here's what I mean by that. Virtually every culture that has evolved over time has shared critical information through oral traditions. And one of the things that I am afraid that technology and the pace of life has robbed us of is the ability to share important things through human transition and through human transmission. Many of the valuable lessons that I learned in life were shared with me by others. Second thing is rediscover the wisdom of the elders. I share with folks on a regular basis that we need to rob the word elderly of the word elder. And we need to regain again the value of those who have lived a good life. And you have things to speak into our life. And the third thing that I would say to you in general about your relationships is bring the word with you. So very often we, we are committed to the study of the word and, and we spend time hearing and receiving and listening to the word. But a strange things happen when we begin to enter into relationships, friendships and situations with folks. We are not as focused on what the word says about this situation. What the word says about this relationship. And so I, I, I would just share those three things with you, but, but, but I've come to share with you four things that I have learned about relationships. Number one, tolerating fools and foolishness has consequences. <laughs> tolerating fools and foolishness has consequences. The word of God says to us in Proverbs 13 and 20, whoever walks with the wise will become wise. Whoever walks with fools will suffer harm. Whenever you encounter the phrase walk with or walk in the biblical context, it is describing the life process. The word of God envisions us doing life one step at a time. And so the way in which I walk describes how I am doing life at that point in time. And what the, the wisdom book teaches us is that if I walk with wise people, then I ultimately begin to become wise. I gain wisdom in that transaction. I gain wisdom in spending time with them. I gain wisdom in watching the way that they do life. But if I walk with fools, now it's important to understand that uh, in the wisdom book, a fool is someone who intentionally chooses a path or way of life that is contrary to the way of God. And so if I choose to do life with people who have chosen a way that is inconsistent with God, that poses a threat to my well-being. 
there, 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 there are some folks who, who, who might share with you that, that, that I've been terribly brief with them. There are some folks who may even say that I've been rude to them over the time. And the reason is, is that I learned that tolerating fools and foolishness ultimately causes harm. It causes harm to my well-being. How many of you, how many of you have just been disturbed emotionally and spiritually by foolishness? And if you tolerate it long enough, it will do damage to who you are. And so, and so, when I look back over my life, I wish that I had known then that tolerating fools and foolishness has consequences. The second thing that I have learned about relationships is being a godly spouse is challenging. Now, I, I, some of you have heard me before. And you've heard me say time and time again, words matter. They matter to me. So I want you to notice that I didn't say being a good husband, being a good wife, being a righteous boo. I, Being a godly spouse is challenging. On the day, and I share my, my, my wife is here with me, on the day that I celebrated my 64th birthday, I also celebrated my 33rd wedding anniversary. <laughs> And the fact that it was my anniversary was a lot more significant than the fact that it was my birthday. <laughs> but my sisters and my brothers, part of the challenge that I have noticed from my own experience in marriage and in doing premarital counseling, marital counseling, and almost postmarital counseling with folks over time is we attempt to walk into a spiritual institution carrying worldly mindsets. <laughs> Marriage is not a civil institution. Marriage is a spiritual creation of God. And it is impossible to thrive in spiritual things with a worldly mindset. And so we become challenged. We become challenged because we don't understand the spiritual significance of things. And so here, here, here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. If you went to a church and they were about to observe communion and they gave out pink lemonade and taco chips, nacho chips, you would say that there is something wrong here. 
because the elements represent something greater than themselves. They represent the very body and blood of Jesus Christ. Well, in the same way that communion represents something greater than itself, marriage represents something greater than a man and a woman living together. Marriage represents the relationship between Jesus Christ and his church. And so when I understand that this thing is really not just about me and you, but that this thing is about the mystery of a Savior who loved a church well enough that he would die for it. And so we struggle. We struggle because we attempt to understand spiritual things with a worldly mindset. And so Paul writes, Paul writes, William, to, to the church at Ephesus in verse 5, uh, chapter 5, and beginning at verse 21, he, he says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I, I must share with you that I intentionally began there because some of the most interesting expressions I saw in all of my premarital counseling was when this word submit came up. Well, what he got to do? <laughs> so we started with this one, which says submit to one another. My brothers and my sisters, the great challenge of the spiritual life is the removal of self from the center. Let me say that one again. The great challenge of the spiritual life, of the Christian life, is the removal of self from the center of it. Jesus says, if you want to follow me, the first thing you need to do is deny your, you got to put self in check. And the whole ethic of the spiritual religion, of the spiritual faith, is about putting others in a position that is greater than myself. And it's amazing that after we say I do, we totally forget that reality. And so the word says submit to one another. Now the word submit is a voluntary, a voluntary setting aside of rights or entitlements. And so I, I have this right. But I voluntarily put it aside so that the kingdom of God, the work of God, the design of God, the plan of God might thrive in any situation. I share with folks that what this word says to me is that we need to play to one another's strengths. Yes, that's good. That there are certain things in which I look to my wife. I share with folks all the time, if I balanced our checkbook, we'd be bankrupt. <laughs> it's not my gift, not my soul. If I still got checks, that means that.
And I'm that brother who writes out the bill faithfully, put it in the envelope, and put it over the visor so that I can drop it in the post office until it's a month later and the new bill come and it's like, man, I knew it was something that I meant to do. So it would be ludicrous for me to come in my house and say, look, I'm the man in my house, I'm gonna run the money. That's exactly what I do, run it right out of there. But we must learn to submit to one another, recognize one another's strength, and be willing to put aside some sense of right. And it goes on, it goes on in verse 22. He says, wives, submit yourselves to your own husband as you do the Lord. For, your hus- for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body for which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. What I have discovered, my brothers and my sisters, is that we read these words and we get caught up on submit and head and those things. And what we totally miss is where it says, as you do to the Lord, as is the head of the church, his body, he is the savior. As the church submits to Christ, marriage, my sisters and my brothers, is a image of the relationship that Christ has with his church. And so I am not, it's important to understand, hear me, it is important to understand the difference between who you are and the role you play. It's important to recognize the difference between who you are and the role you play. The word of God says who you are is that there is no distinction in the kingdom between male and female. We are all God's handiwork and God's creation. And everything that God can do in him, he can do in her. Because he is not, he is not moved by matters of such a nature. And so... Who we are is we are all God's children. We are all his creation and his handiwork. There is no distinction in who we are. But the role we play requires different things of us. And so even though I am all that I am in Christ, When I say I want to play the role of a wife or I want to play the role of a husband, we need to understand that God already wrote that script. And so he says, wives, recognizing that the role you play does not make you inferior or somebody's servant, but recognizing that the way that I have designed this thing, I put some stuff on him that he is responsible for. And I am going to hold him accountable. You see, because it goes all the way back when God did this creation thing, he he said to Adam, look, you take care of everything I create. And that includes Eve. 
That's why when they started munching on the apple, and he came back, if you read the scriptures, he says, Adam, where are you? Not Adam and Eve. Not Eve. Adam, where are you? And when wives understand that he has a responsibility that's actually in my best interest because when he is on his job, my life is better. then I don't have time for your foolishness. I want to help him be the very best that he can be. Husbands, verse 25, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water of the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Brothers, if you don't hear anything else I say to you, please hear this. The investment that you make in your wife will have the greatest return on investment than anything you could ever invest in. The more you invest, the better off you are. investment that you make in your wife will yield the best return on investment you will ever have. We good? We good? It is the gift that keeps on yes sir. Husbands, love your wives. I'm going to move on. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. The example is the love of Christ. That's the standard, brothers. And I'm going to say five things real quickly about Christ's love for his church. It's sincere, pure, constant, sacrificial, and notwithstanding our failures. If we could bring that up, my sister. Christ's love for the church is sincere, pure, constant, sacrificial, and notwithstanding our failures. And that's the threshold that we have been called to reach. And what I wish I knew then is that if I lived that out, there's nowhere in the world that my wife won't follow me. So moving, the third thing that I wish I knew then is to be careful who you hook up with. 
Sound like I can go to number four, because I got some witnesses up in here. Be careful who you hook up with. You, 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 you've read, you've heard, you've heard, you've heard the scripture uh, in 2 Corinthians 6, 14, 15. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common, or what fellowship can light have with darkness? You, uh, the rest of it goes on painting this huge contrast between that which is of the kingdom and that which is not. Remember what I shared with you early on about in general, one of the things that's important in relationships is bringing the word with you. Yeah. Now, we're, we're going to be honest for just a minute. How many witnesses do I have in here who would say, I know this word, but I entered into a relationship and didn't bring it with me? Didn't bring it with me. And so very often, these words are attached only when we get uh, to, to, to marriage and other intimate relationships. I, I think that in order to truly grasp what is being spoken here is that we understand what a yoke is. A yoke was a tool that was designed to enhance productivity, work, the ability to get things done. And because they realized that two animals were able to do more than one, they designed this contraption to hook around the neck of the two animals so that they would always be working together. Now, can you imagine what would happen if you put a Clydesdale on one side of the yoke and a donkey on the other? Jim, I'm pausing because some of my Clydesdales are thinking about some of them donkeys. that you've been hooked up with. And here you are, moving in this direction, working hard, giving it your best, and here is this donkey that sat down, ain't going nowhere, slowing you down, keeping you from moving forward, and you can't go because you hooked up with him. Be careful who you hook up with because you can't go nowhere without that which you are attached to. This is more than when I get ready to get married. This is about who is my business partner. This is about who is a part of my social circle. This is about who I speak my dreams to. This is about who helps me be accountable. This is who walks with me. This is who I can talk to. 
And boy, I wish that I knew that then. Lastly, number four, forgiveness is the key to good relationships. You know, if I could change that now, I would say forgiveness is the key to every good relationship. My sisters and my brothers, every one of us is flawed. Every one of us is broken in some way or the other. Every one of us occasionally will do a dumb thing, say a dumb thing. Sometimes we can even be intentionally mean-spirited. At some point or another, everybody that you are in relationship with if they are truly a relationship, if they are a friend, if they are a spouse, if they're a significant other in life, there will come a time when they will do or say things that hurt. And you have a couple of choices available to you. You can say, that's it. Or you can recognize the need to forgive. Paul writes to the church at Colossians, in Colossians 3 and 12, he says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. This is who we ought be. Bear with each other. May I pause there to ask you a question? Why do you think the word says bear with folks? Because you are going to have to bear with folks. If you walk into an environment and everybody there is perfect, please leave because you just messed it up. <laughs> Bear with, recognize that we all at some point or another need bearing with. Now, let me say it slightly different. Every now and then, you're going to have to put up with some stuff. Now, the question is, does it give rise to robbing me of my witness? Or for me, does it fit in the category of foolishness? Because I don't have to bear with foolishness. But when there are errors, when there are mistakes, when things happen that cause us to feel harm, we need to bear with one another because we need bearing with also. And forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. First 
scripturally, a little earlier in the book of Colossians, in Colossians 2, Paul says that while we were dead in our sins, God made us alive in Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Second thing, a very practical statement. Whatever they did to you doesn't compare to what you did to Christ. Whatever they did to you does not compare to you on your worst day. Those moments that you chose to do things, say things, hold on to things that you know caused the very heart of God to break. I have grieved the Holy Spirit more days than I can ever repent for. And he forgave me. And he forgave me. He forgave me, welcomed me back, and loved me as if it had never happened. consequences. Being a godly spouse is challenging. Be very careful who you hook up with and forgiveness is the key to every 